The Crux of the Matter, Episode 36, The Pope Comes to America. Welcome to The Crux of the Matter, the show by pastors, for pastors. My name is Pastor Todd Peppercorn. And my name is Professor Scott Stigmeyer. Hello, Scott. How are you today? Hi, Todd. I'm doing great. Well, grand. I am uh, wearing my quasi-Hawaiian shirt. This is my writing shirt. You know, Fridays are my are my writing day and apparently talking to you day. So, uh, mm-hmm. uh, so I, I take the proverbial collar off and uh, get comfortable because I got lots of writing to do. So that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but we got lots of stuff to talk about. Um, so let's uh, let's just get right into it. Uh, you got any fun uh, fun teaching that you did this week, Scott? Well, I've been teaching um, in my intro to theology class the doctrine of anthropology. You know, theological. Oh, yeah, anthropology. you did Trinity last last year, last week. So you do an anthropology now. Cool. Uh huh. Talking about uh, you know, it was it was quite fun. We got into some really good discussions on the whole topic of free will. Mm-hmm. And determinism, you know, and mm-hmm. I started to talk about genetics and how free are we, and it was quite, it was quite an interest, at least for me. You know, I always, I always have to add that caveat. I enjoyed right. it. <laughs> it was interesting to me. I wonder what the students thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but they were, they were participative. So I will, I will definitely give them kudos. They, they were engaging with me. At least a number of them were. So if they were uh, acting. They were doing a good job of it. They were doing a good job of it. I think that, um, you know, I teach this class in the morning, early, you know, fairly early in the morning, not real early. And then I teach it again in the late afternoon. Hmm. And um, sometimes my morning class is quite a bit better than my afternoon class just because I'm fresher. And sure. and yesterday was definitely one of those days. You know, by 5 p.m. I'm starting to drag. But but that's okay. And so are they. And sure. so are the students. Sure. So you gotta that, you gotta hype okay. yourself up on caffeine or something to make yeah, it happen. Yeah, yeah. It it just takes a little extra oomph, but that's all right. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not complaining about it. It I enjoy I enjoy when I can get some kind of reaction out of the students yep. when it appears that they're, you know, oh yeah, I see how this relates to me right. in real right. life. And so that was my uh, that was my teaching experience Fine. yesterday. What were you what have you been doing? I'm still working through Genesis, as you know, so we're about five weeks in, so I think we just got to chapter two. You know, I consider that pretty good progress for going through Genesis. Right. Um, but but really, uh, this this week, we talked about the concept of rest, that uh, on the seventh day, God, God rested. And what does it mean that God rests? We, we have a tendency, at least in America, I think, to view rest as a sign of failure, if I'm resting, it's because I'm incapable of doing anything else. Um, and, uh, and so we talked about that concept of rest and, and even the, the kind of the, the, the different cycles of rest, day and night, the, 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 work, the work week and the Sabbath and even the, the concept of having a, uh, a vacation or, uh, you know, what a vacation from work is called a sabbatical. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this concept that, one must rest in order to be able to work and one must work in order to be able to rest. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a – I thought that was sort of an interesting little uh, little side note but fun. Yeah, I love teaching Genesis. It's fun to go through Genesis. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is fun. I'm doing – I'm doing the uh, uh, kind of the cheaters, uh, the cheaters view this this time around. I've taught Genesis a few times, and I'm trying to read 
the Septuagint version of the of Genesis as I'm going through the Greek, and uh, and the, and which I've never done before really, and uh, and I'm I'm really enjoying that. That's that's been very very interesting. So. So our topic for this week, Scott, is the Pope. Now, we have talked about the Pope a few times uh, along uh, along the uh, history of this show, but this one is a little bit different in that uh, uh, Pope Francis is this, this week, uh, literally as we record this, is in the midst of a uh, four or five-day visit to the United States and is making uh, a couple of speeches. Yesterday he spoke before Congress. Today he's speaking speaking to the United Nations. Um, and so his his visit, I believe that this is his this Pope's first visit to America. And uh, and his visit has gotten a really gargantuan amount of of traffic and kind of news interest and all and all sorts of stuff. Enough Enough so that I think it warrants our conversation because I think that our people are going to be having questions about about this uh, in churches on Sunday. Um, so what do you think of the Pope? Are you in favor of the Pope? Well, that's a loaded question for sure. <laughs> Just a little. Yeah. I mean, I'm a confessional Lutheran, so I'm not a fan of the papacy. <laughs> I, th- I, I think the office of the papacy is is – not generally beneficial to the church, but, um, but, you know, right. if we want to look at individual, individual popes and think about them, um, I, I want to like Francis more than I do. Yeah. I, I yeah. don't, I, I, I will, I mean, but I, you know, I'll be the first to say I haven't actually read a lot of his stuff. No. Um, and I, I haven't read his encyclical, you know, his recent encyclical, but, um, what I what I do know of him, um, I don't. You know, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm sure he's a wonderful man. I'm sure um, he is. But as um, as a theologian, I think we were really spoiled in a way with Benedict the Sixteenth and John Paul the Second. Those yes. guys were definitely. I mean, John Paul was kind of the whole package. He was yeah. a pastoral, but he was also um, very very had a brilliant mind. Ratzinger had a great mind, has a great mind, but came across as less of a pastor. A little more cold, a little more German, as it were. Probably, probably yeah. a little more of a enforcer. Well, yeah, and John Paul, of course, was. Uh, I don't know if this is quite the right term, but was also half a showman. I mean, he was a brilliant, oh, yeah. a brilliant linguist, among other things. And so, so he could. How many languages did he speak? Twenty six or something like that. Some ridiculous number. And so he was able to go into almost any place in the world and speak to these people in their own language and uh and do so in a way that just uh, that just drew people to him like no I don't think like any pope has ever done before and probably never will oh no i mean he was he was a unique figure in history in a lot of you know he was a actor before he became a priest yeah. oh yeah <laughs> yeah and i so, mean it's, it's a, he really was a showman literally yeah yeah so. he he knew how to work a crowd and i don't mean that as a negative i mean right. that as he just knew he had a personal you know he had a very strong uh personality it was charismatic um he when he came into office he was sort of um i don't know if, if young is the right word but he had a youthfulness I think and, I, I could be wrong on this. It's been a long time since I looked at. It. I think he was in his fifties when he was elected, wasn't he? He, he might have been sixties. I mean, yeah. he had a he had a long papacy. He right. had a long papacy, so he could have been. He had to have been in his yeah 
late certainly 50s. no older than his 60s no no um, he couldn't have been because when he died i don't think he was you know i think he was in his early 80s yeah well we don't but uh he is not the pope of today no, so no. uh so maybe the maybe the better question than what do you think of the pope is why should why should lutherans care about the pope or the pope coming to america or what he says in uh you know before congress before the united nations all of this stuff um I think that the the start to that is uh, there are what three hundred and twenty million people in the United States, plus or mm-hmm. minus somewhere in that neighborhood, yeah. right. and the Roman Catholic Church has one point two billion members. Right. I mean, this is by by a uh, by a factor of of several, by far the largest christian church in the world i mean nothing else even comes close i don't think there's i don't know how many eastern orthodox there are in the world but i don't think it's more than 100 million there are maybe 60 million lutherans and that's taking the term lutheran very loosely right um so so in terms of sheer numbers this is this is just what he says and does impacts all of christianity in a way that no one else does just no one else does Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. I, I think that what's significant about the Pope, whoever that particular office holder is, is, is the fact that he shepherds a flock of, like you said, over a billion people. Yeah. And, and, and he's extremely – and of course, you know, what he says goes. Um, you know, he has, the, he has the ability and the authority to define Christianity in the West. Yeah. And at least it, to a significant degree, and many of us, many who are not Roman Catholics, uh, we follow in Rome's train still. Right. Uh, I mean, there's much that we do, we do because Rome does, uh, right. you know, liturgically. And um, even when we're, even when we're reacting, we're reacting against Rome. It's yeah. still, right. it's still Rome in many respects that is kind of setting the stage you know, we've yep. said it here a few times that the one who frames the question wins the argument. Right. And in many respects, Rome has done that and will continue to frame those questions. Um, so in, in many, I would I would argue that for Lutherans to ignore the papacy and the Roman Catholic Church is is folly. It just yeah. is. And and it's easy. It's you know, it's very nice and prideful to be dismissive. But but. We really have no business being dismissive of it. That doesn't mean that we agree by any no. stretch, but no. but we must li- we must pay attention. I think we would be doing our people a great disservice by being ignorant of what's going on there. Right, Definitely. right. I mean, in a, in a in a way, he is still our pope. You yeah. know, I mean, he is he is the pope that the West you know looks to. Even those who are not Christians. I mean, you you alluded to this with the media coverage. Right, people that don't profess. Catholicism or even Christianity or religious belief of any sort are very intrigued by him. Yep. And and that's true of any pope. But this pope has a particular – at least at the presence um, in, in the U.S., he has a particular uh, – the media has a particular fascination with him. And um, so what he says is significant or what he doesn't say right. is significant. Right. And – and many of the Pope's interests here, or at least as it as it appears to me, seem to resonate a little bit more with the the political left. Um, mm-hmm. You know, his interest in in fighting poverty, interest in um, in immigration, 
for example, or the environment. I mean, these are all the all kind of things that he's that he couched or, or he spoke about in his uh, address to Congress yesterday. And and those are you know that's almost a, a Democrat Democratic presidential party ticket right there. And right. Uh, and, and again, poverty. we can yeah, I mean, we can argue on how Christian or not Christian these topics are, but. The, the fact is I would argue that a part of the reason why he's getting so much positive press is because he is pushing the buttons that the Western press want to be – want to have pushed. Um, and and which, he's not pushing other buttons. Precisely. Yeah. So he pushes these – he pushes these buttons that the, that the Western media kind of like. But there were certain things that he didn't say that – that for us as Lutherans, I think are almost more significant. Um, he didn't make any explicit mention of Jesus Christ, right? Which is right. That's really kind of a, more than kind of. That is astonishing. I mean, yeah. <laughs> how do you how do you stand before the world as the head of the largest Christian church? And not mention the name of Jesus. We'll see if maybe he will in the uh, United Nations presentation today. I hope so because that was pretty – holy buckets. That's just you know, not right. I, I, you know, I'd be very interested to compare his address to Congress with other pap- – I, I, I'm assuming that John Paul spoke to Congress. I don't know if Benedict ever did. Um, but I'd be very curious to know if if – if what Francis did was out of the ordinary for a pope addressing a, a, a parliament. That's a good question. Or, or if this is kind of standard, you know, boilerplate. Right. Yeah, uh, this is sort of standard fare. This is almost more of a hi, how are you? Great to see you sort of thing and not so yeah, substantive. I mean, he. I mean, I think he would say that he gave a substantive speech. We're, we were both kind of scratching our heads when we read it. But, yep. um, you know, because we're looking for certain things. But, you know, for him, you know, talking about poverty and the dignity of human life. I mean, he, he brushes up against certain topics. But, yeah, you're right. He mentions God. But, um, you know, even just an allusion to the Lord would have been nice yeah, to the Lord Jesus. Right. I mean, and you've got – and, and I, I, I think you could argue there were allusions. Mm-hmm. But, um, but they were quite – they were quite vague. And they were yeah. so vague that it had to be intentional, I would contend. Yeah. You, yeah. Don't just, you don't just accidentally forget to name our Lord. <laughs> the, the, no. That just doesn't work that way. Um. But the other the other omission was that there was no explicit mention of of abortion or of euthanasia I or mean, same the, sex marriage or same sex marriage. Yeah. Right. So so we have probably the three the three topics that are the most contested uh, in terms of of kind of culture culture war things and. The three topics that are the most uh, before people's eyes all the time here and and are the most polarizing and he doesn't speak and he doesn't talk about those. And uh, and and I mean there were a couple – again, a couple implicit references to the, the – I don't even remember the exact phraseology but something like the dignity of the whole – the whole extent of human life or the, the fullness of human – I mean there were a couple things that – I would look at that and say, well, yes, obviously that would include the unborn. But mm-hmm. the next person could look at that and say, no, 
And right. and if it's open to interpretation, then you really didn't say very much. And right. that and that that again to me was almost unconscionable to have that I, opportunity and to blow it so so catastrophically. I, I I'm with you. And this is my disappointment with Francis, because he has stated explicitly, I think, from the beginning that his papacy was not going to be focused or, or hyper-focused on those issues. Right. I, I mean, I don't think Francis is in favor of abortion. I don't think Francis no. is okay with gay marriage. But, um, you know, he has said, I am not going to focus. That's not going to be the hallmark of my papacy. I'm going to focus on the plight of the poor, which, you know, I want to, I want to say is, is a good thing. You know, I mean, it's that you, to have a, he's coming from South America. I mean, there's an influence there. Um, as long as he's not going off into Marxism or liberation theology, if he wants to, if he wants to talk about loving the poor, I, I heard on NPR as I was driving yesterday, that when he was, um, I think when he got to New York City, the first thing he did, well, you know, he's riding in the back of a Fiat, right? Right. He's, he's not riding a limousine or anything. Right. So this, right. these are these are quite interesting things. Yep. And then yep. and then when his when he first gets to New York, the first thing he does is he goes to a Catholic homeless shelter. Yep. And and meets with and he's done people. that sort of thing all over the world when he's oh, made absolutely. visits. And and that's I mean I think that that's admirable. I find that to be very, very admirable that he that he has such a heart for those people that are neglected and on the margins. But no one is more on the margin than than an embryo. Yep. No one is no one is more uh, prone to abuse and oppression right. than or an helpless. embryo, yeah. or helpless than an embryo. Yep. And so I I don't see how it has to be either or. But anyway, it seems like it is. Yeah, and and so that that I guess was more my my disappointment than, than anything else. And, and honestly, we've had, and, and I'm sure that some of our listeners may disagree with me on this, but I do think that under Benedict, we had a, we had a Pope that at the very least was, was very, very comfortable and familiar with, with Lutheranism and with, and with our concerns, with our, with our questions and um and would give a hearing in a way that you just didn't have otherwise and 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 that's a maybe that's a part of what's so difficult for me with um with Pope Francis is that the things that make him tick the things that the questions that he's asking and and I don't know maybe maybe this is a cause for repentance on my part the things that he's asking are not the are not the things that I'm asking or are not the right, full extent right. of the things that I'm asking. Um, I uh, I get a little testy when the, when the gospel seems to be pushed aside in favor of other agendas, and and that's yeah. uh, you know that's kind of what I'm seeing there, which is too bad, frankly. I I wish that I had better. I wish that I had better news, but but so well at least at least in his speech before Congress, you wouldn't have any notion that this was a Christian minister. I mean, this could be... Not necessarily. This yeah. could be almost any any vaguely religious person. Sure. He, you know, he holds up Catholic people. You know, he talks about Dorothy Day right. and he talks about uh, Thomas Merton. Doris Day, yeah. 
Not Doris Day. Doris Day is the actress. <laughs> I was just wondering if you were if you were catching that. So. Yes, I. You don't that think he likes Doris transcript. Day? <laughs> Come yeah. on, man. I saw. I'm reading the con- this transcript, and it says he talks about Doris Day and Thomas Madison, and it's like, what? The? Yeah, I saw. No, that he too. doesn't. He talks about Dorothy Day and Thomas Merton, but <laughs> totally I suppose different people. If you're religiously illiterate, you shouldn't be covering the Pope, but whatever. Um, I understand the accent was hard to understand. Yeah. Um, It did kind of make me laugh though. Yeah, me too. That was pretty funny. Yeah, I thought so. So he holds up Catholic people, but, you know, he doesn't uh, – I mean we're just kind of – we're just circling around the fact that he he has this really, really unique and remarkable opportunity um, and – while what he said was fine, um, he, there's so much that he didn't say that, that it really, really need to be said and need yep. to be heard by the world. And I will follow very closely his address to the United Nations. Yep, me too. Um, and, you know, and like someone posted on Facebook, uh, we don't know. He did meet with President Obama. And we don't know what private conversations. Right. We don't know the contain. whole story, of course. Right. Right. He may be saying things to President Obama privately that he doesn't get – he's not going to embarrass the president publicly, but he does. He may – you know, we want to see that. But maybe he maybe he privately took him to task on a few of these issues. We, I want to put the best construction on it yeah, if we can. For fair enough. I do, want to, uh, I do want to highlight a couple, uh, a couple articles that have kind of, uh, kind of tried to address this, this a little bit. Um, uh, one, uh, there's a uh, oh, let me find it there. There you go. There's a, a New York Times article that does a pretty good job of um, of summarizing, and I'll have it in the show notes. Uh, there's also a, a First Things uh, article that that uh, the title of it is "What Francis Said and Didn't Say to Congress." I it is that is probably the best summary that I have read of of kind of. I'll say a a conservative Christian perspective on his on his speech. Um, uh, another one uh, from the Federalist: Pope Francis never mentioned Jesus in his speech to Congress. <clears throat> That's a good one. Uh, and finally, uh, and this one is a little bit tongue in cheek, which of course is why I like it. Uh, the Federalist uh, had a posted an article called "The Protestant Response to Pope Francis's Address." And and what they did was they simply copied a, the public domain version of uh, the treatise on the power and primacy of the Pope uh, by Philip Melanchthon, which which is sort of an appendix to the small cult articles. So this is dated 1537. That's not exactly a Protestant response to this speech, but I didn't <laughs> I did find that. Um, I did find that pretty humorous. It would be hilarious if that got picked up as news by some news site without knowing right. that the you know the author is listed as Philip Melanchthon, etc. So we'll not we'll noticing see. that that's a 16th century document. Right, right, exactly. And it wouldn't have surprised me in the slightest because 
you know, if you're trolling around trying to find uh, trying to find people that dislike the Pope and you run across this and you're going to find some incredibly strong language <laughs> disliking <laughs> on the Pope. It's like, wow, I found this crazy fundamentalist that thinks the Pope is the Antichrist. Well, wait a minute. Who is this Philip Melanchthon guy? Yeah. Right. So, so that one was pretty, uh, pretty classic. You can find all of those in the show notes. And the uh, the show notes can be found at the crux of the matter dot net slash slash podcast slash thirty six. And I hope you will go uh, go check it out there as well. So that was a uh, definitely definitely worth a listen. Anything else we want to say about the say about the Pope before we go on, Scott? No, I mean I I do pray occasionally. I will pray for the Pope and the Church of Rome. I I mean my heart. I you know I'm a died in the wool Lutheran. But my heart says to me, if I can use that kind of language, right. that it would be nice if Rome and Lutherans could find some – I know dialogue doesn't seem to get us anywhere, but I can hope. Yeah, and common, and common ground for conversation. I mean sure. in, my, in my experience, both here and, and in Wisconsin – I very often get along with and have more in common with uh, Roman Catholic priests, sort of theologically and culturally, uh, right. than uh, than I do with many Protestant ministers. Now, maybe right. that says more about me than it does about them, uh, and I guess I'm okay with that. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, with you, indeed. So we have a uh, uh, we have a couple fun fun joy bringers before we uh, before we get to that I did want to mention once again uh, our tip jar we have a tip jar set up on on our website thecruxofthematter.net this is essentially to uh, help pay for hosting costs and the like I appreciate everyone who donated this past week and um, if you're able to f- throw a few bucks our way, our um, probably total hosting costs is maybe two, three hundred dollars a year, um, and equipment it's a little bit more. But uh, but if you're able to help out in any way, we'd sure appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so are we ready for the what's bringing us joy? We are. We are. Okay. Why don't you start us off? I've got a really fun one that we should finish with. So you go. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, this is fun too. So um, a, a friend of mine from seminary, a friend of ours from seminary, he was in your class, yep. David Kind. David Kind, um, he's a pastor in Minnesota, campus pastor. He has produced a new prayer book. It's called Oremus, O-R-E-M-U-S, Oremus, Latin for We Pray, a Lutheran breviary. And a breviary, for those who don't know, is a is a handbook for daily prayers, the traditional daily prayers, not just, you know, matins and vespers, but, you know, uh, lauds, known, sex and terse and, and compline. He's got, he's got a really lovely layout uh, for each of those offices for every day of the year. He's got the entire Psalter included. Uh, nice. If you're musically inclined, he's got, he's got the chant tones for everything. But what I'm really, and, and I like all that stuff, but what I like about it even more so far, and I just got it this week, but what I've really enjoyed is that for each day of the year, he's got a little snippet of a reading from one of the church fathers. That and those nice. have just been, those have just been a delight. And that has been, a, you know, we talked about it another episode, the treasury of daily prayer from Concordia Publishing House. And th- that resource does that as well. And that's also a strength of that, in my opinion. So what I'm having joy with is, uh, is uh, engaging in daily prayer, Todd. 
Amen. Um, one of the other, uh, and, and there are a couple other features of that that I that I like as well. Um, I've I haven't I haven't seen it in in hardcover yet, but uh, but I've looked at the electronic version of it, and it uses the New King James version of the Psalter, which I would argue is probably the most poetic and yet accurate translation of the Psalms that you're going to find in English, uh, and uh, and that there is a lot of. And, and then he does a wonderful job with the Gregorian chant tones. And, uh, and, and so it's interesting because it's a resource that if you've got a musical bent to it, you're going you're gonna to find uh, one type of richness. But if you don't have a musical bent to it, that's absolutely okay. And you're going to find lots and lots of benefit to it otherwise. So very good choice. And I look forward to, uh, to getting that. That is for sale on uh, lulu.com. Uh, right. Yeah, one of the things that's nice about Lulu is that you will, upon occasion, find some uh, some pretty decent discount prices. I don't have any off the top of my uh, off the top of my head, or any that I have uh, I have seen uh, recently. But you will find occasionally a twenty percent off discount coupon code or something. So I'll keep an eye out for that as well. So mine, I, you know, go yeah, ahead. Nope. I, I was going to say, I think he said that a, like 10% of, of the proceeds will go towards uh, his campus ministry, and, and which is a good cause. So Absolutely. It's a little bit of a pricey volume, but it is very substantial, and it's a beautiful book. Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool. I love, I love things that are done well and are mm-hmm. well-made. Oh, good stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So my, uh, my joy bringer this week is uh, – uh, is something that is near and dear to just about every Lutheran pastor's heart, and that is coffee. Uh, coffee has been called uh, the uh, fourth Lutheran sacrament by some, and I, I, uh, while I don't think that it imparts forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation, I am a big fan of coffee. Um, and the coffee that uh, the coffee that is bringing me joy this week is called Coffee by Gillespie. Um, it uh, it's uh, it's produced by a, uh, a friend of ours, a pastor in Indiana named Chris Gillespie, uh, and and he has a number of different varieties. This is kind of a, uh, I don't know, a, a cottage business that he's started up within the last year or so, and he roasts his own beans. So this is this is kind of in house, and he gets these from all over the all over the world. He's worked with some master master roasters to get uh, to get some really, I think, incredible blends. Uh, I got his uh, sampler pack this last week and have just uh, just been in awe. There's a Costa Rican, a Guatemalan, a Kenyan, and uh, this morning I'm uh, I'm I'm drinking on. I think it's the Ethiopian, and it's just. It's just amazing stuff. It's uh, it, it doesn't have that kind of burnt bite to it that Starbucks sometimes has. Um, uh, smooth, obviously, depends on what the uh, on which roast you're you're looking at. The Kenya has a nice full body to it, and uh, the Costa Rican is is a is a nice and easy smooth smooth one. So I have been thoroughly thoroughly enjoying this coffee. You you haven't gotten any of this yet, have you, Scott? Yeah, I have. Have, I have. you? Oh, um, good. I have. Yeah, I, I got the sampler pack. So I've been, yeah, you know, I, I don't remember where all they were from, but I, I've consumed them already. So. <laughs> They're all gone already. So good. Yeah, it's gone. <clears throat> right. So I reached out to Chris and asked him if he would be interested in doing a, uh, a coupon code for the listeners of Crux. And he was very happy to do so. So if you go to 
coffeebygillespie.com slash crux. Um, and there will be a link to this in the show note. You go to that uh, go to that link and you are going to get a 10% discount off of your entire first purchase. And I thought that was pretty cool and pretty uh, pretty fun. So uh, so it, if you forget to go to the actual link, you can uh, – the coupon code is crux of the matter. And you can put that in at checkout as well and you know, one way or the other it will work. But uh, thanks, Chris, for doing that. We really appreciate it and I hope you get to – Hope you get some good uh, some good business from this because it's great stuff. Yeah, do do uh, do yourself a favor and order some of this coffee. Yep, it's fun, very fun. Anything else for the good of the uh, good of the gang, Scott? No, I think we covered it. Um, All right. You know, let's pray for let's pray for the Church of Rome that they would uh, be illumined with the pure gospel. Um, and otherwise, we're going to follow this story very closely, I think. Yeah, and um, and maybe we'll have a, uh, a short follow-up next week on his uh, United Nations presentation as well. So that'd be good. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next time.